Uni Taste Days proudly presents the Uni Guide, supporting you with all things university. A warm welcome back, listener, to the Uni Guide podcast. This is episode 15. In this episode, we're going to focus on the importance of choices that can be made before GCSEs and after them, and how that can have implications on university decisions. Before we meet our special guest, I'm going to welcome back my trusty co-host, John. John Cheek, founder of Unitest Days. Welcome back to the UniGuide, John. Hi, Tim. Really, really pleased to be part of this event. I think option choices, which is a subject we're covering today, is really, really important. That's important to parents that are working, obviously, with, with their young person, with teachers that are working with students, but also for students themselves, and, and hopefully providing really useful advice for them in terms of support when it comes to option choices so so students go on to make really good decisions in relation to university and beyond. Welcome back, John. And who's the guest you've booked for today's episode? Yeah, really delighted that Chris Mullen from Edgehill University can join us today. Chris is someone I know really well. Uh, I know Chris from his role with Edgehill University. Chris is also part of the Unitastes Advisory Board, so so he advises us on on stuff that we do at Unitastes and Helloa. We've had a lot of colleagues from Helloa join us through the podcast, but it's basically a voluntary organisation that, alongside a really busy job, Chris gives his time up and has given his time up in relation to Helloa as well. So know Chris really well and, and really good to be able to chat to you over the next half an hour or so, Chris. And for all of our listeners in Hawaii, Helloa to you too. Now, in all seriousness, it's a big UniGuide hello to our special guest. So that's Chris Mullen. Welcome to the pod, Chris. I hope you're well. Good, thanks. Thanks for having me both on. Really excited to get talking about what is quite a chunky topic, isn't it? It is indeed, and there's lots to cover. Before we do, Chris, it'd just be good just to invite you to share the listeners maybe your background, your journey into university, what you studied, and anything you'd like to share. Yeah, absolutely. So I was very much a sport, sport-obsessed youngster. My dad was a professional footballer, so I kind of grew up with, with the sport sort of feel. So I very much went down the, the sport science route. So that's what I did at university. It was called Science and Football. And after that, I actually went to work for a couple of football clubs, uh, working in the community, so coaching, putting together funding bids. Uh, and then from that, I've come to work for Edgehill, so supporting students up and down the country in regards to their choices and their options for university. Okay, as a follow-up question, what was the club that or clubs that your dad played for as a footballer? And also, what were the clubs that you worked for? Uh, so my dad actually played for a couple of different clubs in his career, so mainly Blackburn Rovers and Rotherham United as well. But for me, in terms of when I finished university, I worked for Everton Football Club, so Everton in the community, uh, and then also Accrington Stanley in the community as well. I'm sorry, who are they? <laughs> Absolutely, that always gets asked. The amount of times I've heard that is always great. Tim, I'm a Torquay United fan, so I can relate very closely to Accrington Stanley, and they're a, they're a, they're a big team <laughs> playing in an important league. So moving forward, the first question we'd like to ask on the Uni Guide is, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and why you do it? Of course, yeah. So uh, my role at Edge Hill, I'm called the Education Liaison Manager. So a lot of my job is managing our various officers and assistants who go out and uh, speak and support students and teachers and advisors, including parents and supporters as well with various presentations, workshops, attendance at HE fairs as well. So a lot of my work is with schools and colleges outside the Northwest. Um, so it's a very sort of busy role, uh, very busy team as well. But I think why I do it and continue to do it as well 
is the fact that every day is different. You're speaking to a large range of different people. And actually, it's the joy of realizing that you've really helped somebody as well. So sort of seeing a light bulb moment or a cog working, that always sort of gives me the most joy as part of the job. Okay, as you'll be aware by now on the Uni Guide, we like to have a challenge for our guests to be pitted against John. It's going to be called Who Am I? And because of the choices that you've made, Chris, going to university, it's going to be football themed and obviously you've got a background in it as well. So I'm going to give you four footballers, I'm going to give you four clues. And before we start, you can work as a team or it can be dog eat dog. What would you like to do? Dog eat dog, I reckon. So yeah. I, I keep on losing. So I've got a, uh, I need to restore some reputation if I've got any reputation left. Okay, so great to have you both taking part. This is Who Am I? Please play along. All of these are professional footballers, have been at some point. They've all done a degree. Not necessarily has to be a sports degree, but I'm going to read the clues and then you need to give me the answer. It's simple as that. Okay, so Chris, you'll be going first as you're our special guest today. Here is clue number one. I am a Spanish midfielder who studied journalism at a polytechnic in Madrid. I then studied further courses in physical education and marketing. I moved from Spain to England to play for both Chelsea and Manchester United. I now play in Turkey for Galatasaray since leaving Manchester in 22. Who am I? I think I might have an idea. I, uh, it's the Chelsea Man United link, but I didn't realise, if it's the same person, I didn't realise he'd done all that previously in regards to degree-wise. I think it's one matter. I'm very impressed. That is correct. It is one matter, just the one we were looking for. That is 1-0 to you, Chris. So, John, the pressure is on to clue number two then, John. I am a defender who spent four years managing his time in football and education. I was a part-time student at Alliance Manchester Business School where I studied business administration. I successfully graduated with a Masters in Business Administration whilst winning trophies with Manchester City. As a retired footballer now, I've gone into management and had success managing in the Championship, gaining a recent promotion to the Premier League. I'm so chuffed to actually think I, I know this, which is really good. And the other thing that makes me laugh is, is you put three people that really like sport on a podcast and what do we end up talking about is football straight away. Uh, we will come to university choices later on, I promise you. Um, I think it's Vincent Company, Tim. Oh, John Cheek, Cheeky Cheek with an equaliser. That is 1-1. One, one. Well done, John. It was Vincent Company. Okay, number three. I have obtained a degree in public relations and tourism. I am from Belgium. I can speak five languages fluently as a gifted linguist, including English, French, Dutch, Portuguese and Spanish. I have played for the following clubs, Chelsea, West Brom and Inter Milan. Who am I? I think, because I've heard that he's fluent in a number of languages, I think it might be Romelu Lukaku. Correct. So that's 2-1 to Chris. John, your next one. I am an Italian legend. I am one of the fiercest defenders the world has seen. I am now retired, but I have completed and graduated in economics and commerce from the University of Turin way back in 2010. I later acquired a master's degree in the same course. What do we think, John? Trying to, to be honest, Tim, all the, all the background to his education experience has not helped me at all, so I'm just trying to, trying to think of fierce Italian defenders. Uh, uh, 
John Fink, what team plays in Turin? Ah, Juventus do, don't they? So, um, Cleany. Is it Cleany? Yep, well done. That's two apiece. That's, uh, I think that's time on that quiz. Brilliant. So, he's a draw, which is a great way to end. Tim, before I, I, you gave me a nice clue, I was just about to say pass. So, I'm, I'm happy to continue my losing run and award Chris the make-believe kick-cat that no one ever gets. Now Chris has enjoyed his hypothetical Kit-Kat. John, you prepare some questions. Please fire away. Can't believe you beat me again. Right. Um, so uh, all I'm thinking about is I, I wouldn't have got Lukaku. Anyway, um, sorry. Let's get back on the game and game on, John. So there's loads of talk about option choices in relation to students and making sure that students pick really good option choices in relation to university. And some students get more support. Some students get less support. So with that in mind, Chris, can you introduce what we mean by pre-16 and post-16 option choices? Absolutely, yeah. So there's slightly different periods of uh, secondary school and also going up to sixth form or college where obviously students would have a choice on what subjects they particularly take. So when we're talking about pre-16 choices, that will be optional subjects that they would like to pick at, at GCSE level. So obviously they'll have to do a number of subjects that are compulsory but they will have some optional choices and students tend to pick those mostly in year nine, but a lot of schools now are doing that actually within year eight. Whereas when we talk about post 16 choices, that will be students who are in year 11, who are moving up to either uh, sixth form or college and actually what either, uh, what type of qualification they want to pick. So whether that's A levels, B techs or T levels. Cheers, Chris. and. In terms of your own option choices, and I'm, I asked this question as an expert in A-level business, history and drama, if anyone needs any tips. Do you remember the option choices you took and did you think much about uni when making those option choices, both at GCSEs and also A-level or, or equivalent, whatever qualifications you did at that point? Do you know what? Surprisingly, I remember mine being quite an easy choice because ever since year eight, I wanted to be a PE teacher. That was my ultimate goal. So I remember speaking to my PE teachers in year 10, year 11. Obviously thought about picking GCSEP anyway because I enjoyed sport. But especially thinking about going forward, it was very much focusing on, as I mentioned, GCSEP at year 10 or year 11. But then when I went on to sixth form or college, my thinking was that I wanted to pick a range of subjects that would help me for going forward. So one of those was A-level PE. But also one of them was A-level biology as well, because one of my PE teachers particularly said to me that the standard or the level that you would experience in A-level biology, the knowledge that you would gain, would be massively helpful for uh, future sort of degree level uh, subject study as well. So if you stepped into Tim's time machine, would you change them now, knowing what you do now about you know, various routes that might come afterwards? That's a really interesting question, John. I think I would, I don't think I would change them because I very much enjoyed A-level PE. My A-level biology, a lot of it was uh, around plants and animals, uh, which I would say I probably didn't enjoy, but actually the, the human anatomy side really did help when I actually got into my first year at university. The only probably thing, if I think about it, probably the only thing that I would change is my third option a level so i did history that's because i absolutely loved it for the five years beforehand but actually it became quite political 
when I got to A level. Um, so for me, I think that's possibly one that I might change because for me, it was more about the history than the sort of politics side. It's really interesting to say about PE, Chris, because I remember when I was making my choices, I, I tore the, because I, I, like yourself, I was a very good footballer when I was younger, I wasn't at all, but I tore my cruciate ligament and I couldn't therefore take PE and I would have taken PE if I, I didn't have a bad knee. Okay. And the amount of people, well, amount of friends that took PE that were so surprised that, that they're not just going to be playing football all the time. They're actually having to learn some biology and stuff, which, yeah, so you wouldn't be alone in that assumption. Um, no, I think there's a lot in my class as well, John, that are exactly the same, thinking back. <laughs> so you went to Liverpool John Moores University, which I'm pretty sure, Chris, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, is one of five universities in Liverpool. Uh, yes. You studied science, football, sports and exercise at Liverpool John Moores University. So you are officially our most athletic guest. And I didn't even realise that your dad was a professional footballer. So you certainly are by far our most athletic guest. Did you need biology when you took your options? Yeah, that's a really good question. So what I would say is it wasn't essential because at that point, Liverpool John Moores only required some sort of either PE or biology-based subject beforehand. No, it wasn't essential, but I would say that it massively helped that I also took biology on top of A-level PE because the level of knowledge that I did in A-level PE wasn't as more expand. It was expanded on a lot more within A-level biology in regards to anatomy and physiology. So actually, when I got into my first year at university, we did an anatomy and physiology module and the level of study was very similar to A-level biology. So even though it wasn't essential for me to take biology at A-level, I'm really pleased that I did because it massively helped when I got into that first year. So linked to that, Chris, like you, you obviously took it, so it's kind of a different conversation, but but do you remember having much support from your school in terms of, you know, did anyone take it to one side and say, Chris, if you want to do that degree, biology is going to be super helpful. Do you remember? I do. I think so my PE teacher was kind of my go-to person uh, and I trusted their information and their guidance. And they had gone through that route in regards to doing LLPE and LL biology. And they said how useful that was in regards to the level of study. So for me, despite the fact of, I wouldn't say particularly enjoying biology, but it was very useful in regards to future prospects and future thinking as well. So I would say that really it was that PE teacher that, that massively helped me. And obviously speaking um, a sixth form open evening as well. So speaking to the teachers um, at sixth form open evenings that also really helped further that decision to because uh, a lot of them obviously explained that quite a few students who'd gone on to sixth form done those subjects had gone on to do sports science type course at university so that kind of furthered my my reasoning for picking that that brings us to the end of part one join us after a short break for part two for more advice and guidance on pre and post 16 option <music> So in terms of, of our listeners, we've got, we, we have students that listen, we have parents that listen, we also have school colleagues. GCSEs is where we'll start, and I'm, I'm conscious that we perhaps haven't got that many, hopefully we have, uh, listeners at GCSE age, but more so for the benefit of parents and also teachers. How important are GCSEs and also the GCSE choices that students will make? Yeah, I think very important, John. I think uh, for two particular reasons. So the first one being uh, a lot of universities will require GCSEs. Every university will be different. So some may ask for a certain number of GCSEs. Some may ask for a certain grade at GCSE. 
uh, whereas some may also ask for a particular subject of study at GCSE level two. Um, so that's obviously the first point of call. I'll give you an example, Edgehill here, for most of our courses, we ask for five GCSEs minimum, including grade four in maths and English. But also I think it's important because you want to make sure that, that student is picking GCSE optional choices that are useful for them in regards to whether it's the content that they're learning about, how passionate they are about that subject as well, and also their enjoyment too. So it's twofold in regards to sort of interests, but also making sure that they're picking the right GCSE option that could affect their university choices, but also that could affect their sixth form or college choices, because some A-level or B-tech or T-levels may also require a certain number of GCSEs or certain subjects of study. So it's it's like a jigsaw piecing it all together. Just for our older listeners, you know, levels four is an, a low SC in old money. Yeah. When they changed all that, I was so like, it's, there's obviously you know valid reasons for changing it. But the first thought I had is, oh no! Now when I'm talking about the grades I got at GCSE and stuff, I'm going to sound so old in the future. You know, when people talk about like O levels and yeah, it's happened to us. I hate change because then it just makes us look like we're prehistoric. Moving on in terms of like choices of qualifications, so we'll. We'll skip a few years and, and say students are at post-16 level. And what we mean by that is that students are over the age of 16. They might be doing A-levels, they might be doing B-techs, they might be doing T-levels, or just to impress you both, they might also be doing a qualification called the International Baccalaureate. Mm-hmm. But in terms of university entry requirements, does does the, the qualification that students will do make a big difference in terms of offers they, they might receive? Yeah, and it's it's a question we get very, very often, John, especially from parents in particular. What I would say is it really depends on the university of choice. So all three of those types of qualifications, so A-level, BTECs, and T-levels are all level three equivalent qualifications. So they are worth the same in regards to they still give UCAS points which uh, universities may accept or they may ask for certain grades at those particular subjects as well. So completely depends, as I say, it completely depends on the university. Some students may be studying a mixture of those qualifications, maybe two A-levels and one B-tech, for example. And obviously T-levels are equivalent to three A-levels. So actually it really depends on the type of course or the type of university that the student is applying to. The vast majority of universities will accept more or less all three of those qualifications, but there may be some universities that may have a preference for A-levels, for example, or certain particular courses that may have a preference for specifically A-levels. So I'll give you an example. Medicine is very much sort of A-level heavy. So Chris, you touched on the answer then about, about courses where students study a, a qualification that's very linked to that course so for example uh, i don't know a student wants to do physiotherapy biology is going to be super helpful when it comes to a level or equivalent qualification but how about the listener that wants to study brewing and distilling making beer and whiskey and i believe that's heavy at what university that do that what's the advice then when they can't you know for, for probably for the sensible reasons they can't do a levels in brewing and distilling uh, what, what's the advice then yeah, absolutely. Because there's so many, uh, there's quite a lot of niche courses at universities. What I would say is universities do understand the fact that a student may have not had the ability to do a similar subject within the sort of A-level, B-tech or T-level studies. Or equally, it might just be something as simple as 
the school or college don't offer that particular A-level or BTEC. So universities are understanding of that. I think best advice is actually looking at your extracurricular opportunities. So actually, could you get involved in work experience? Could you get involved in reading a variety of books, journals, articles? Or actually, could you look at maybe doing some some sort of part-time job, for example, that links in with that or a club or society? That can be just as useful to universities as doing it at a at an A level or BTEC or T level. Thanks, Chris. And in terms of advice that that schools provide students, there was some UCAS research which the headline basically said one in five students say bad A level advice led to a lack of degree choice. Right. So let's just be controversial for a split second and say. Uh, so the question I'll come to you with is. Are students given enough support, do you think, at school when it comes to selecting their option choices? Honest answer? No, I don't think they do. And that's not what I would say a massive thing here. It's that's not of a fault of any particular staff that are working in schools and colleges. They do a fantastic job at supporting students day in, day out. But I don't think they get the support to be able to provide students with enough information and enough guidance as well i also think that it's linked to government as well so obviously the government at the moment are really pushing science and maths and engineering whereas there's some other fantastic subjects such as performing arts and dance and drama and media which we need as part of the fabric of us as a country so yes i'd probably say that they do get some very good support at the moment, but I do think more could be done. Yeah, brilliant answer. And I, I completely share share that opinion. I think the perhaps like for schools, they you know they they don't get the support themselves in order to provide the support. Absolutely, absolutely. Like the journey, I suppose, after it. So, in in terms of kind of putting a positive on things and and supporting schools, parents, and students themselves when it comes to option choices that are listening to this podcast, what can we do? Or what can you do, you know, whether that's a parent or a, more so a teacher that's listening, that avoids that catch-22 where a student needs to have studied a particular subject previously in order to do the, the, the subject at university they, they want to study? Hopefully, there is a couple of things that, that you could do to help, so especially any parents or supporters. What might be a really useful activity is going on to UCAS. Um, so if you go onto the UCAS website, you can have a look at a variety of courses at a variety of universities that will give the various entry requirements for that university. So that's a really good thing to do, especially within sort of um, year 10 and year 11, preparing for A-level BTEC or T-level study. That's a good little activity that you can do. And the UCAS website is very, very easy to use. But also, I think it's looking at it from a social point of view as well. Aaron, when I was that age, and my biggest concern was where my mates were going. Uh, and actually, I didn't really think about sort of fully is that 100% the best place for me? Uh, I actually say now that uh, I went to a sixth form. So I actually didn't go to the main school. I went to a, the rival school down the road and then came to my particular school at sixth form. And looking back, I think I would have flourished a little better if I went to a college. And that's probably one thing that uh, is worth, really worth thinking about in regards to conversation with parents or supporters or teachers as well. You know, parents and supporters, sort of, it may be very different. Aaron, when I was applying, uh, my mum did not have a clue about what those qualifications were. 
and a lot of it was actually me talking her through what those options were so actually sometimes just having a, a really short conversation small conversation whether you're a student or whether you're a parent actually discussing what might be best for you having done that little bit of research and, and i'd imagine isn't an unusual story where you know, perhaps parents really want to you know the meanwhile they really want to support but you know, it's very new to them themselves and and ultimately the supporter becomes a supported really through the process mm. but yeah and it kind of goes back to you know, one of the reasons why there's programs like widening participation programs where there's more support for certain students that perhaps haven't got as much support as others when it comes to at home I, i'm the Absolutely. same my, my parents didn't go to university i was i was quite fortunate that my two sisters went to university so they could be my you know support that that helped me through the various various processes not all students have, have, have that have that benefit so really interesting Join us after this short break for the all-important hints, tips and resources in part three. Chris, for the ear of our younger listeners, have you run into any resources or anything you can share that can help with option choices? UCAS is a very good website, very intuitive website as well. And actually students can utilise that uh, in regards to looking at types of subjects that they might need at GCSE or A-level or BTEC or T-level, but also in regards to a bit more information around actually what university is and how university works as well. But a more, much more interactive one is something called the Informed Choices. Uh, so that's actually run uh, by the Russell Group Universities. And actually the, the aim of that is quite interactive. So it's a bit of a sort of pop quiz. So as you go through, you can put in a variety of different subjects that you might be thinking of studying, and it will sort of tell you what you could then apply for afterwards. So that's a really good little website and nice and engaging as well. Yeah, completely agree about Informed Choices. It's a website that I recommend to schools, students, parents as well. There used to be, going back a few years, there used to be something called facilitating subjects, which were seen as, as subjects that open doors to university for students that perhaps don't know what they want to do at university. And and it was, you know, subjects that you probably won't surprise you, like science subjects, maths was one. Uh, but I think the Informed Choices website is far more useful than that. It's where students can then you know, put in subjects they're interested in it or they'll get ideas or even taking that to a to the next level. If they know what they want to do, it means that they can then put in what they want to do and, and get kind of a picture from multiple universities rather than checking individual entry requirements. Yes, thank you both. And we've popped a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. So, Chris, as well as students and parents, we've got loads of teachers that listen to this podcast. And they might be thinking, you know what, I'm, I don't feel comfortable enough to, to support students when it comes to option choices in relation to university because almost that's not their bit. They're, they're there for the you know, school and college age and then perhaps university is seen as the next bit after that. So can universities support schools with, with option choice support for students? Yeah, they absolutely can, John. So a lot of universities would always be happy to attend kind of option evenings or obviously any type of parents' evening as well, whether that's just a, a basic level in regards to a stand and giving advice to parents and, and the supporters and also students too. But also they may be able to offer some sort of presentation to discuss actually the connotations of picking GCSE options and where that might lead you afterwards and from there also level three so A level, T level, B tech as well. Universities can absolutely help with that in regards to supporting teachers and advisors with that and I know a lot of teaching advisors that we work with do have us in quite regularly for those type of events. They would be quite generic as well so they'd be happy to talk about universities in general 
rather than just their specific university. So we've got a closing tradition in terms of this podcast where we get advice that you'd give your younger self in relation to university. So with that in mind, Chris, what free tips would you give your younger self knowing what you do now about university? Number one is making sure that you spend plenty of time researching where you want to go and what you want to do. And that's in regards to what you enjoy, what you think you'll be passionate about, but also something that you think will really sort of engage you through that three years or maybe more that you're studying. Secondly, to put yourself out there, it can be a very daunting feeling going to a place that you don't know or people that you've not met, but actually trying to make friends, trying to go to clubs or societies or also join a sports team. I tried my best and despite how much of a good footballer I think I am, uh, I didn't get into any of the top six football teams when I was at John Moores. So it's probably my own ability in that. But actually getting to enjoy those type of hobbies and interests and making new friend groups for that. But also something that I, I really regret, especially now at Edge Hill working, is actually becoming what's called a student guide or a student ambassador. So that's actually a part-time job that you can do while Street University that's flexible, that fits around your studies. And I always think that's such a fantastic job to do because it gives you obviously a bit of an income, but it also gives you some really transferable skills that you can take into a future job. That's something I'd definitely recommend to anybody. That brings us to the end of the recording. Thank you, Chris, for your time. I'm going to pass over to John to close out the episode. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. It's such an important subject and we, we've really done it justice. So thank you so much for being a, a huge part of that. Really enjoyed it. You've been listening to The Uni Guide, supporting you with all things university. While you're here, why not give us a rating? If you have any comments, suggestions, or want to ask us any questions at all, please contact us using info at unitasterdays.com. Stay tuned, like and share, and as always, take care.